You know what people call us whalers? They say we're refugees from civilization. Well, that sounds very appealing to me. Sure. But you'd be wise to remember that at some point you have to return. Welcome aboard, Mr. Summer. The cold can be isolating and unforgiving. It brings the wretchedness out of a man. No longer under the dominion of societal-held truths concerning the nature of morals or ethics or some semblance of the laws, now driven towards operating through their own animalistic impulses. And it's in sailing through the frigid waters of the northern Arctic, we're provided with the perfect backdrop for a story about treachery, betrayal, and men who act like animals in the face of mortal danger. But amongst these beasts of burden, there's something truly deep that the North Water has to say about our human connection to nature. I hear you were injured out in India. Yes, shot by a sepoy musket ball on the first day of the assault. My shin bone bore the brunt. I'm totally recovered now, though. Not even a limp. Meet Patrick Sumner, the good doctor I've affectionately dubbed him. A surgeon with an air of brilliance able to shade even the most treacherous of pasts. Serving as the medical aide aboard a whaling vessel known as the Volunteer, he is thrown into the fray of hard-working men who toil in the art of whaling, made to maintain the health and safety over all manner of wretched men and salty, swaggering sailors who have found themselves driven by the call of the sea. And he learns quickly that the whaling trade isn't for the faint of heart or the feeble-minded. Above all else, it is a calling driven by men who value profit over the safety of their crew and a vocation that employs brutish force over cunning and intellect. And it's within the confines of this ship that Sumner puts the all-consuming modus operandi of do no harm to the test as he comes face to face with living, breathing demons. Hundred skins is a good fucking day. Should yield up to three tons of oil. And each ton will bring in about 40 pounds, I'd say, with some luck on our side. Right, but we must press on tomorrow before the pack scatters. We mustn't let those Norwegian fuckers beat us to our prize. So tomorrow, we'll send out a third bolt. And anyone still breathing or can hold a rifle will be out there killing. Oh, the surgeon could join us. Unless he has a book to read. Well, someone's them right to run back in. <laughs> Mr. Sumner, what do you say? I'd say I'm able. Enough to try my level best, anyway. Good. So tomorrow, our surgeon will join the hunt. Back to work. Whaling may be an arduous task, but caring for men of Henry Drax's ilk is even more so. It involves evoking a certain level of mercy that extends outside the bounds of simply healing one's ailments. Men like Drax tend to embody the spirit of animalism seen within the whalers. They harm as they please, driven by violence and displays of unbridled power. Drax is a man who puts the needs of himself above others, willing to betray and take advantage of his fellow man in order to gain advantages. And in so many ways, this behavior becomes... It is a grave mistake to think too much. Why board the volunteer? 
Why sealing? Why wailing? There is no reason, and that is its great genius, the illogic of it, the mere idiocy. Perhaps life cannot be puzzled or blathered into submission, but should be lived through and survived in whatever fashion a man can manage. Maybe cleverness will get you nowhere. Maybe it is only the stupid, the brilliantly stupid, who will inherit the earth. But these men are few and far between. It's in his journey amongst the sailors of the volunteer that Sumner realizes a more brutal reality that exists within a tragic sect of sailors, from the lowly cabin boy whose innocence is taken advantage of, to men who join in the hopes of escaping a harrowing past life of trauma and suffering, to those simply looking to make an honest wage, lest they forget there's no such thing as an honest wage when working for a man like Arthur Brownlee. And it's in this way that Do No Harm extends outside the bounds of simply providing medicine or healing the sick. For Summoner, it becomes about caregiving and the protection of life as a thing of totality, valuing the life someone has to live regardless of their past transgressions. Besides, even the good doctor closely guards more than a few secrets of his own, ones that he intends to take with him to the grave. I give them poultices, plasters, ointments, and balms. They are grateful for these attentions, these signs of care. They have a faith in me, foolish, but real. But to me, they are bodies only. Legs, arms, torsos, heads. Towards the rest of them, their moral characters are remain indifferent. It is not my task to educate them or move them towards virtue. It is not my task to judge, soothe, or befriend them. I am a medical man, not a priest, or a magistrate, or a spouse. In fact, in my current state, I have very little comfort to give. What Sumner fails to realize, however, is how opportunism truly corrodes the hearts of men. They make short-sighted drastic actions to curry the favor of others. They destroy men, women, and even children who stand in their way. There's a resourcefulness to the evil of Drax and company that is both barbaric and animalistic, akin to wild beasts stalking prey, a commentary on the seemingly inherent feral nature of mankind. But it's in the same breath that the North Water suggests this frame of thinking concerning the nature of man that they also vehemently reject that narrative as well. And the idea of animalism is reframed. The North Water is a story about men embroiled in a conflict with nature. This conflict is exacerbated by their desire to hold on to so many man-made tenets of society to money and riches, to selfishness and greed, to power dynamics and masters, and the sailors exist in stark contrast to the indigenous Inuit tribes they come into contact with throughout the heart of the story. Stranded on an arctic ice sheet with no immediate hope of rescue or survival, the sailors find themselves lacking the ability to truly conquer their surroundings 
in the same ways they've so readily and easily conquered their surroundings in the modern world. And the courage and dominion they once held over beasts as big as whales becomes fundamentally unfounded in the face of dealing with their own mortality. Well, you dreamt that we'd all die, and it's coming true. We have very little food. The sea is completely iced over, and we are gradually freezing day by day with no hope of help or rescue. Miracles do occur. And if great evil exists, why not great good the same? Signs and fucking wonders. Signs and fucking wonders. Is that the very best you can offer me? I'm not offering you anything. For the Inuit in North Water, animalism is not a description of savagery or brutality, but instead defines one's deepest interconnection to nature, and by that extension, purpose. They don't view themselves above the framework of nature or animals, not distinguished in the hierarchy of predator versus prey, as master and everyone else subjugated to them, but instead they act in concert with nature accepting the world and the creatures who operate within that world for what they are. sentimental, but British, no, they accept the reality of their existence and the world as it is. They have no great need to force change upon it. I don't think that makes them primitive. These whalers are a vast and diverse company of men, often driven by superstition, losing themselves in the fight for riches or profit or exploitation of their fellow man, and the brutal lengths many will go for the sake of self-preservation reveals a marriage to treachery mankind is all too familiar with, one that isn't animalistic, but instead deeply human. The Northwater questions how far man has strayed from the path, how lost and disconnected to the natural world he has become. And I think it takes a certain level of personal responsibility, of selflessness and sacrifice, to unyoke oneself from the petty squabbles of men and seek out a communal connection to nature that is eternal, one that's not just entirely plausible, but extremely necessary. For to act upon the world is to ask the world to act upon you. And whether you have the disposition of a sinner or that of a saint, all eventually answer to the frigid calls of the northern waters, which hold no qualms or disillusions in drowning a man. Mind Theater is a solo effort produced and written by me, Aowakengbare. For updates on the show as well as my other content, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you want to show monetary support, the Kofi link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.